Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Second City Hockey Friday Show. I'm your host, Brandon Kane, and I'm joined by Scott Powers of The Athletic. Scott, how are you doing today? Good, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to do something a little different with the Friday show and do interviews with media members, um, players per chance, um, just to get to know people behind kind of what you see, um, whether it's in games or <clears throat> on Twitter or what have you, get to know the person um, more. So it's been about, what, six seasons for you now on the beat, Scott? Uh, I think those were my seventh this last year, I think. Seventh? Okay. I think, so. I think I'm going to my eighth, so yeah, it's been a while. All righty. Um, so the Blackhawks have missed the postseason two years in a row. Um, what has changed coverage-wise for you covering a team that is like on the fence where you don't know kind of going throughout the season whether they'll make the playoffs or you just know right away? How do you kind of change your coverage aspect? Yeah, there, there's definitely a different way of covering a team that's uh, successful, one that's uh, a little teetering. Um, I, you know, I, I think it depends, you know, what type of what where you are in the season. If it's if it's in the middle and um, they're still in it in some way, um, you, you you sort of write towards that. If if they go out of it, then you you start looking to the future. And I think we've done that a little bit more um, the last few years, where you, you look at uh, potential draft picks and prospects and um, you know, that storyline kind of emerges a little bit more than, than usual. Um, you know, kind of what's what's next is important and, you know, job stability for uh, for coaches and, and GMs. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, the day-to-day stuff certainly takes a back seat and fans, are, fans and readers are, are less interested in those type of things. So you, you have to look a little, a little bit more forward and or even even looking back at why this happened. So, um, but yeah, I found that you know people don't want to look to back too much as well. So it's a, it's a lot more forward thinking and, and projecting and um, you know giving fans optimism or you know giving them reasons to be pessimistic about the future. But uh, talking more about the future than you would uh, if uh, you know if it's a Stanley Cup season or a season where they're going to the playoffs and um, you know you're talking a lot more about the present and um, you know that day's lineup and you know uh, line combinations and deep pairings and those type of things and. Uh, a little bit more me than talking about strategy. So I think it's the difference between day-to-day stuff where you're, you're talking about the present and, uh, you know, compared to the last few years. Um, you know, the, this past season was a little strange because, you know, at one point, you know, December, January, it looked like they were done. And you certainly you start projecting where they might get a draft pick and where they might be in the lottery. And then um, they get back in and all of a sudden you're, you're talking about the present again. So uh, this season was a little bit different and then kind of it, uh, you know, it varied a little bit between, uh, you know, how successful they were. So it was, it was, it was, it was different, but, you know, having covered a couple of cups and a couple of long playoff runs, 
Um, and then covered this this type of team too. It's uh, you know they're both interesting in their own respects, and you know it's it's fun to cover a cup just because you want to cover big events. You know, at the end of the day, I don't really care what the Blackhawks do. Um, you know, my job is to be objective. Um, but it's co- it's cool to cover long playoff runs. But it's also you know nice uh, when this is your career being a hockey reporter that uh, long off seasons are nice too. And and there's different challenges during the off season how you cover a team. But sometimes at a extra time at home. Um, you know, spending with family and just having some time off uh, away from the rink's nice too. So it's, um, you know, the last few years they've uh, kind of been the mix of that. So it's, it's probably been a pretty good balance, at least from, from my perspective. So with things changing, um, the athletic kind of has a, a big network of writers. Do you lean on uh, writers that have had experience with that and kind of um, bounce ideas off each other? Yeah, I don't know if I lean on them so much about what to do with a losing team. I, I think, you know, I've, I've been doing this long enough where I, I kind of understand what's important. But uh, we certainly bounce ideas off each other. You know, if, if you read The Athletic enough, you'll, you'll see us that we do common stories sometimes, um, you know, whether it's lineup projecting or, um, you know, there's been different formats that I, I think a lot of the different beat writers have used just because we've seen success in one market. Um, and, you know, kind of expanded and tried it elsewhere. So, you know, I, I think something I did, uh, when I was the only hockey athletic writer was, uh, uh, you know, I did uh, why players wear their numbers. You know, I'm sure it had been done elsewhere, but it was something that, you know, I started doing when, when I was at the athletic covering the Hawks. And uh, it was something that we saw that people enjoyed. So we, uh, you know, other, when we started adding other teams and writers, we, we started doing that elsewhere. And, um, you know, we, we found that to be successful. And I, and I, you know, I've picked up things from other people and I, and I, and I hope I've borrowed. Um, you know, some people borrowed some stuff from me too. So I, I think from that respect, uh, and, and then just having those resources, you know, if, if I have a question about Minnesota or something um, that goes beyond my, uh, you know, beyond my timeline of, of covering hockey, I can turn to Mike Russo or Aaron Portsline or, you know, Arthur Staple and all these guys who have been covering hockey a lot longer than I have. And, um, you know, one, they have a Rolodex of, of phone numbers, but they also have a lot of knowledge they can share. So, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, guys that worked with ESPN too, you know, Pierre Lebrun and, and Scott Burnside and, and Katie String and uh, Craig Custins, uh, Joe McDonald. I mean, there's a lot of people that I've been working with for a while too that I've been probably leaning on, you know, since I even started the Hawks beat ESPN. So uh, from that respect, it's been nice to have those people and just uh, their knowledge and, you know, their connections. And then this past season, uh, Mark Lazarus joined you on the beat. How beneficial has he been both – you know, on a personal and professional level as a, as a colleague, because you guys are able to split beat duties and maybe focus on a story that you wouldn't have time to otherwise, if you were just the sole person on the beat. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, you know, it's getting last was something uh, that I talked to the founders about a long time ago. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, when they started the athletic three plus years ago, I don't think they uh, foresaw hockey being, uh, you know, bread and butter of theirs, but you know, we saw a, a decent, uh, decent uptick in in subscribers when I when I started with the Hawks, and something that they, um, you know, that that they saw, they looked around, and hockey coverage wasn't probably, um, you know, the most prominent thing around around the country, at least the U.S. And um, saw a way to to delve into that further, and you know, they hired James Myrtle and Custance, and um, and then going, you know, hiring a bigger, bigger writers like LeBron and, and so on Burnside and then, and then expanding to the beat writers and now, um, and now not just having one beat writer on, on teams, but two or so, um, you know, to have two Blackhawks writers, you know, you'll see that sometimes in the playoffs, but during the regular season, it's, 
you know, you don't see that often for a lot of teams. You know, there's Bruins and a few, few, few teams that they'll get multiple beat writers from a, from a publication. But I don't think we've seen it in Chicago in a little bit. So, um, you know, for for them, they're willing to put the resources in that, in that, the, you know, to believe in um, the ability to have two beat writers on a, on a team and and still be able to, you know, draw subscriptions and draw readers and uh, to continue to expand. You know, definitely, you know, hats off to them to allowing allowing them, um, you know, allowing me to kind of you know, push that. And then, and then to hire the lads, you know, something, someone that I've respected and certainly felt like I've been competitive with, uh, you know, we both started to be at the same time and someone that's pushed me to uh, work harder. And, and certainly that's a big part of uh, the journalism too, is just try, trying to be competitive and, you know, to bring him over. And I, and, I, and I hope, you know, I like to think that we complement each other, certain, you know, certain skills he has and certain ones I have. And uh, we do get along at a personal level and it, um, you know, I, I feel like this first year was kind of feeling it out, and we really certainly had fun and, and a lot of success in, 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 I think, working together. And I think that hopefully can continue to uh, evolve and, you know, improve in certain ways. And, and like you said, it does allow us to, um, to do stories that we probably wouldn't be able to do otherwise. You know, for me to be able to go to uh, Slovakia during the season for a week and, and do something on Marian Hosa, um, you know, that'd be a little bit harder to step away from the team if there wasn't someone there covering it. So. Um, I think in that respect, and even in, even time off, I mean, this, the beat can be a grind, and um, you know the day-to-day practices, and you know traveling, and um, you know we went to every game this year, but the fact that we were able to split it up, and it still allowed me to do some prospect trips, it, it really alleviates some of that grind too. So, uh, yeah, and in, in many respects, it's been it's been great having Mark on the beat. And then going off the the prospects, I think that's your coverage on prospects is probably what you're more known for um, more than anything. So how do you go about evaluating prospects and compiling your rankings? And I guess how much time do you, you know, pour into to doing that? Or do you not know? Yeah. Cause it's just so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's certainly trying to balance, uh, you know, covering the beats and then covering prospects because, uh, you know, not all prospects are going to turn out and, uh, you know, the takeaway time from the beat, too, I, I think it's uh, it probably won't be the smartest idea. So, um, you know, I tried to balance it, too. You know, for me, uh, you know, not traveling at ESPN the whole time, um, you know, there's challenges to the beats and trying to ways to find finding ways to be competitive. So you, you got to think outside the box and, and certainly go to areas, um, you know, go to go to forms that, uh, that other beat writers don't have the time for, aren't interested in. And certainly, I think when we started the athletic too, when I, when I didn't have a, a press credential, uh, you know, trying to think of ways outside the box to cover the team and, uh, and still, you know, still draw readership and, and, and certainly in a subscription model, you're asking a lot for someone to subscribe who doesn't have a credential. So, um, you know, I think the prospect thing with prospect coverage is one thing that we, uh, you know, we pushed hard and, and certainly started probably with me back at ESPN. Um, you know, I, I find it interesting. I find, uh, you know, I, I finding a player who, uh, you know, you draft and you see how they develop. And, and, and there's certainly been cases where guys who step into the NHL, you know, I've been mean, following Tara Vinan in Finland, um, you know, following Dabrinkit in, in the OHL. And, um, you know, I, you know I, I think I covered Secure a lot at, at Northeastern. And, um, you know, there's been – I've certainly gone a little bit further, you know, the last few years to you know, making trips out to, you know, I say South 410 in Quebec and um, – you know, making those sort of trips, uh, you know, I guess sometimes piling up trips where you fly out to, uh, you know, you fly out to Canada and, and you're out there from Montreal to cover Blackhawks Canadians game and figuring out if there's a prospect playing nearby on, on, on the off day. So, you know, I, I've had fun doing that. And, 
Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an evaluator, so I, I think my rankings you always you always have to kind of take with a grain of salt. And um, you know, I, I've seen the guys, and I, you know, I've done some research, but I always feel slightly strange being a scout as well. But I mean, it's a lot of it just it's it's very subjective and opinionated. So. I, uh, you know, the rankings are kind of like an add-on to everything I do. I mean, it's mostly a lot of profiles and, and talking to people about players, prospects, developments, and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I've certainly enjoyed that. And, you know, having having latitude, it allows me to uh, go to Rockford a little bit more. And I think Rockford will be really interesting this next season with the the players they brought in and the kind of depth there. So, um, yeah, I look forward to that. It's, it's nice to do something beside the Blackhawks and doing something different that maybe all the beat writers aren't there and you don't have as much media around and you do get a little bit more time talking to people and, and people sometimes are a little bit more interested in talking to you as well. You, you brought up uh, Dylan Sakura there. I feel like the, uh, at least in my circle, it's been that maybe Dylan Sakura disappointed. Um, and that might be based on what they had read of your work or what they had seen at being pot when he was at Northeastern. Um, what have you seen in his game and where do you think that he can take that next step for next season? Yeah. No, I, I, if you, if you talk to Dylan, he'd probably say he disappointed too, or he just, um, there was a lot of buzz about him coming in. I mean, he was a, uh, you know, one of the top players in college hockey, uh, stayed a fourth year to uh, do some things in college, you know, to go for the bean pot, but also to continue his development. So, you know, he's a little bit older prospect even now. So, uh, you worry about where, you know, how quickly he hits the ceiling or, you know, how much more he can develop. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I think him coming in, I certainly thought he was going to, uh, you know, push for, you know, 10, 15 goals and 40-plus points as, as a rookie. And then, um, you know, not to make the team out of camp and then, um, you know, to uh, have some ups and downs in, in Rockford. And, um, you know, finally he gets on his groove and he, and he, and he gets up to the NHL and he just can't score a goal. And, ends up back down in the AHL and um but you know the the interesting thing about him is is he evolved a lot more than any player that I've seen in a year where you know he was very offensive and you wouldn't have thought of him as, as a defensive player but his his last stint in Chicago he was as good as anyone you know back checking and uh, you know pursuing the puck in the neutral zone and, and really um yeah I don't know just uh, it seemed like he, he accepted that role and um, you know, accepted uh, that maybe this is what I need to do to be in the NHL right now. You know, you, you can see that there's some offense upside there. And, um, you know, you look at some of the underlying numbers and, you know, the, the uh, primary assist and assist for 60 minutes and some of those things. And um, you can see that he was setting up plays. Obviously, he didn't score. So I, I think there's a lot of frustration there. And when, when people look at the numbers, they, they, they certainly didn't meet expectations of what you thought he was. Um, but, you know, he went back down to Rockford and then, then started scoring some more goals. So um, uh, there's no guarantee what Dylan Secure is going to be. But, um, you know, from everything I'd seen in Northeastern, and, you know, he's probably one of the kids I've watched more of over a few years just because um, you didn't expect him to go back his senior year. So you, you, you got to see him play in college a little bit more than you expected. Um, you know, I, I saw Dylan play a lot. And, I, you know, I thought Secure was, was really good and had some potential. And then, um, you know, certainly going to see him in some different settings this year. I, I think there's a little bit more to tap into than he's shown. And I mean, I'm sure when he scores that first NHL goal, it'll be a little bit off, a, a little weight off his shoulders. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what his upside is. I don't know what he can become. I think he, you know, potentially be a top nine player. Um, you know, he, he, he's got to produce more if he can play that way defensively and away from the puck that he, that he did this past season. I, I think that certainly helps longevity of his career. And him fitting in Jeremy Carlton's lineup where 
I think with Carlton, you, you've seen some guys uh, get sat because they weren't doing the things away from the puck. You know, Brendan Perlini comes to mind where, um, you know, guy was player of the month uh, one month because he was just putting, you know, putting everything in the net. The next month he, he struggled scoring. But, um, you know, the defensive side wasn't where Carlton wants and, and he gets sat. So I, I think, you know, regardless of where Secure's offensive numbers are, I think if he, uh, you know, if he can play that way defensively, you can probably find a way into that lineup. Um, you know, considering who they've signed and, and who's coming back, yeah, you know, it, it may be a struggle for him to make it out of a camp and he may have to, uh, you know, suck it up and go back down to Rockford and prove himself again based on numbers. But um, I think there's something there, you know, we'll see. Uh, like I said, there's no guarantee, but, um, you know, everything I've seen over the last year and just, you know, over the last few years offensively, I think there's more there. And the fact that he's evolved defensively, um, yeah, I think that should give some uh, some optimism for the Blackhawks. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All righty. And if we're talking older prospects, I can't have you on the pod and not talk about Max Shalunov. <laughs> so uh, I guess just basically where did the interest in, in his story um, hit you and when did you decide to just kind of dive into it and share his story and where he's at or not at in the Blackhawks pipeline? Yeah, I, you know, obviously it was brought to, uh, I think, my attention by Hedger, uh, Brian Hedger, three or four years ago, obviously a really good friend and had done stuff for the athletic and now he's in Columbus. But, um, you know, I, I think he had learned in, um, that the Blackhawks still own Shalunov's rights, which, um, you know, I, I think even at that point, I wasn't following it closely enough to look at reserve lists and that sort of thing. And um, But, uh, yeah, the fact that Blackhawks still own his rights were really interesting. You know, he'd come to Rockford. Um, ended up playing in the ECHL mostly on a, you know, a one-year AHL deal. And um, so he, they never really signed him to an NHL deal. So they kept his rights, you know, considering there's no Russia, um, you know, NHL transfer agreement. So they, they uh, you know, they, they could own his rights forever if he never signs. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact they own his rights and all of a sudden Shalunov became a bit of a player in the KHL and started producing. And, um, you know, he was still in his uh, early 20s at that point. He was, he was intriguing, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> one was covering it. So it was uh, it was something different. Again, it was, you know, it was that first year of the Athletic where we're struggling to uh, uh, to really, uh, yeah, to really, you know, find our footing in, in the market and do something different. So the fact that we went all in on Shalunov, it was obviously something that, you know, other beat writers didn't have time for. So, um, you know, I, you know, there was, uh, there was some interest there. So I kind of stuck with that for a bit and, um, you know, it's certainly uh, diminished a little bit over the last few years where, um, you know, it was interesting. I got to see him in uh, in Denmark play, and then I happened to uh, his uh, his K- KHL team, Siska, was playing in, uh, in Slovakia when I was out there last year for hosts and uh, just happened to be in Bratislava at that same time. So I went to go play and uh, go see him play and talk to him again. And uh, last year was a bit of a struggle for him. So I, I think interest is down. And uh, you know, the fact that he didn't sign a few years ago, I, I think fans have, uh, you know, lost interest in him too. And he's a little bit older now too. So I, I don't know. I mean, everyone says that he'll, 
uh, at least everyone around him and, and Stan Bowman, they all still consider him to be an option to sign after next season. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think my coverage is, uh, uh, has definitely changed a little bit where I, I think I just did the one story in him last year when I, uh, uh, you know, I happened to come across him in, in, in Slovakia, but um, yeah, for, you know, for, like I said, for the most part, it was, it was, it was really interesting. You know, it was, it was someone that he could be an NHL player that um, you weren't, weren't really sure the Blackhawks still held his rights. And the fact that he, evolved and developed in this player who um you know at least based on KHL numbers some of that was transferable and he's got a big shot and a big body and um you know there, there's some things there that definitely make him intriguing so um you know between that and then just uh, he was a good fit to write about because people are interested and in, in we were looking for something different to write about when we, when we first started the athletic so what was his reaction when he when he saw you at the uh at the game when you were out there for the host of story was he like, uh, oh, not this guy again, or, or what was his uh, Yeah, I don't reaction? know. His, his English is uh, – it's not great. You know, I, I talked to him in Denmark, I, I think, in, in May of the previous year. So we met once, and, you know, I've talked to his agent a bunch. So um, I think he knows who I am. And, <laughs> and you know, I'm asking – there's there's a – you know, his team uh, PR guys there, so I'm asking questions about North America and, and the U.S. and HL and – um, I, I don't think he was, you know, he didn't want to get too much into it. So, yeah, he was fine. Yeah, you know, he, he seemed like, uh, you know, it's funny when I sat down with Victor Stahlberg uh, two seasons ago, you know, I kind of, we, we did lunch together in, in Rockford and he had been roommates with Stahlberg for, for his time in Rockford. Shalunov and Stahlberg were too, so I mentioned Stahlberg and he had a laugh. And, um, uh, yeah, so I yeah, I don't know. It's uh, not, not not Stalberg. Who am I thinking about? Um, um, I'm blanking right now. Who did I? Uh, oh, it'll come to me. But anyways, he um, yeah, no, he's he was nice enough. You know, I, I I think he knows of me a little bit, and he may find it interesting. And you know, I asked him what he should say to Blackhawks fans, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I I think uh, he's sort of stuck in the present, but. Uh, you know, the idea of the Blackhawks and the idea of Chicago intrigues him. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. And, um, you know, it, it seemed a lot more interesting a few years ago where it seemed like there was a possibility he might sign. And then, you know, for him to sign a multi-year deal in the rush, it kind of, uh, kind of took the wind out of all that. All right. And then – It was Victor Spedberg. Spedberg. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes Stalberg, sense. So, yeah. Spedberg. Kind of some random fun questions to, to wrap things up. Uh, for sure. So – if you're on the you're on the road and you cover a morning skate, um, what do you do in your downtime before the game starts? Uh, it, it sometimes it's just transcribing, um, you know, what stuff from the morning skates. Uh, maybe getting a nap, independent depending what time your flight was that night, you know, that day or the day before. Um, sometimes the beat writers will get lunch, you know, if it's a city that I, uh, you know, I enjoy or they're not that often, and I may go for a walk and check some things out. So it kind of varies. Um, but yeah, sometimes just can kind of continue working and, um, you know, getting a story ready or some, you know, just stuff that you'd, uh, you know, if you did a longer interview during the morning skate, you know, after the skate, to, just to transcribe that stuff and either to work on a story then or have a story, you know, ready for the game or something you can tap into at some point. So, um, yeah, it just kind of depends on the city and how much energy you have and a lot of different variables. So. Um, you know, you usually have, you know, on the road, you'll have about five hours between the skate and the game. So it's, uh, you know, you can go back to your hotel room or, or do whatever. So it just, uh, I guess it depends on time of year too. If it's the winter and, uh, in Edmonton, you're probably back in your room working or taking <laughs> that or grabbing some lunch. But if it's, you know, if it's, 
it's uh, it's the winter in your LA. You may you may enjoy the uh, the warmth a little bit more. You have a favorite NHL city to visit? Uh, I, I like New York City. I, I you know I, I think regardless of uh, uh, you know what the sports covering, it's uh, I, I always like New York and um, you know I enjoy enjoy being there. I, I think it's the place I've been to the most outside of Chicago. So uh, certainly during the winter, it, it's fun to go anywhere warm and um, you know go in Arizona or LA or um, wherever. Um, uh, and and if it's nice out, you know cities like Montreal and Vancouver, uh, really cool places to check out and. Um, it also kind of depends on where your hotel's at and where the rink's at. And, um, you know, like Ottawa, it's uh, the rink's a little bit further out from the downtown. So you, you're pretty much staying out in, uh, you know, out in nowhere. So um, there's limited options. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say New York and, um, you know, going to nice places when it's, uh, when it's warm out. So if you weren't covering the Hawks, what Chicago team would you want to cover? And then uh... – same thing for just a general NHL team aside from the Hawks that you find interesting. That'd be great to cover. Yeah. The fact that I'm covering hockey's, I mean, still kind of blows my mind. I mean, this wasn't, uh, this was never my intention getting into, into sports writing. And when I got thrown on the beat from ESPN, I've said this many times now, you know, I hated hockey and uh, I think my editor knew I hated hockey and I, I, I really despise being on the beat that first year. And I was really defensive about not knowing much about hockey and, uh, you know, I block people on Twitter and, uh, um, you know, I, I can admit that now just the, I've obviously, I, hopefully people can kind of see that I've evolved as, as a hockey writer and gotten a little bit better at this. But, um, you know, the fact that I cover hockey still, it's it's not, uh, you know, if you told me this, uh, you know, eight years ago, you know, before I started this beat, I, I you know, I just would have, uh, you know, I probably would have cried a little bit. Um, but I, <laughs> I really, certainly embraced hockey and, and enjoy covering it. And I feel like I've done a decent job. So, um you know, uh, so I, you know, I, I, before, before covering hockey, I covered a lot of high school and colleges and, you know, especially growing up in Chicago, it was really big in the Chicago high school basketball. Um, you know, there's not as many prep beats as available. You know, I think of Michael Bryant sometimes and there aren't many others who, uh, who cover high school sports on a, on a day-to-day basis. So, um, you know, I, I think covering college basketball might be fun. Um, you know, I did that a little bit at ESPN too. Um, you know, I'm probably a little bit more cynical about, about college sports now than I was then too. So I might find some of that hard or just think it's so hypocritical, but um, yeah, I, I think basketball, maybe I, I know I, you know, I've gotten taste of the NBA. It's, it's a little bit hard with access and um, you know, I, I like, I like covering hockey because there's, you know, there's 20 guys in a room and uh, most of them are relevant and most of them have a part of the team. And um, you know, sometimes, uh, and most of them are available. I mean, most are pretty good interviews and most are willing to speak. So that's uh, that's a big part of doing this job. So I, I know that's a little bit more of an obstacle covering the NBA. So um, as for other teams, uh, you know, just the fact that I, I know so many guys probably on the Coyotes or the, the Hurricanes, you know, covering Joe <laughs> Biden or, or Hinostroza or Ranta or all those guys, uh, Drummelson and uh, down the line on both teams, I think just uh, – uh, I know those are smaller markets, but uh, I, I think just having that familiarity would be pretty easy. You know, even going down to Florida and covering Quindle, uh, I think would be kind of a trip. But – um, yeah, I, uh, you know, this, this beat's pretty good in itself too. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think just having the familiarity with some of those guys that would make uh, some of those other beats interesting. All right. And then last one for you. Um, it's August. That's the, the dead month of the, the hockey season, I guess. Um, what do you do with your downtime? You got basically a month until training camp and everything starts up. What do you do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Laz and I were just figuring out uh, vacation time. 
you know, I, I got a bunch of weeks, so I'm going to take a few weeks, go on a little vacation. I got a, a daughter who's about to turn two this weekend, so uh, spend time with her and my wife. And uh, I got a couple side projects that I'm working on. Uh, probably going to delve into that a little bit uh, uh, here in the next few weeks and maybe do some reading and uh, enjoy this weather. And um, we just moved in a new place in Chicago, so probably work on that a little bit. So uh, there's enough stuff, but yeah, it's just trying to probably step away from hockey a little bit. Uh, got a few stories I like to do during this month and stuff that I'm working on, but uh, for the most part, kind of get away before it gets crazy. And, and the fact that we're going to, uh, you know, Berlin and Prague and, and Laz and I are both going, it'll be, uh, uh, you know, it'll be kind of a long time away from the family and home for there for about a week and a half and things get rolling. So um, it'll be nice to kind of step away for a bit and, and enjoy August and um, yeah, not worry about it so much. Alrighty, Scott. Uh, that's all I have from you. Uh, cool. Where can people find your work? Uh, at theathletic.com, you can find our work. And then uh, my Twitter handle is by, by Scott Powers. There's, uh, there's too many Scott Powers out there, so I had to figure out a <laughs> way to differentiate it. So it's, uh, it's, it's by Scott Powers on Twitter. And, um, and anyone who ever wants to uh, tweet me or email me, whatever, I'm always open to doing this and talking. And, uh, Brandon, I appreciate you having me. I, I enjoy your work. And I enjoy the work you guys do at Second City. So I, uh, you know, thanks for having me. All right. Well, thanks for the kind words, Scott. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. Yep. Bye.